Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter, connect with me on social media, and join that travel club. You can do it all at TravelingCulturati.com. Welcome back to another week of traveling, another week with Traveling Culturati. I always love having you join me. Well, we're road tripping today. Road trips are aren't just for the summer. Road trips happen all year around. Sometimes they're for necessity and sometimes they're just for fun. This year, more people will be hitting the road for both. We're exploring those ideas, the best roads for road trips, what it means to and for African-Americans and some road trip tips. Executive producer Gene Harley is joining me for that conversation. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, we're going to get into a little travel news. The Smithsonian is exploring what it means to grow up female in the United States with a new exhibition, Girlhood. It's complicated. Now, on display at the National Museum of American History. This 5,000 square foot gallery explores how girls have influenced and been influenced by education, work, health, politics, and fashion throughout history. And best of all, there are many ways you can discover the stories told in girlhood, it's complicated, from home. There's an exhibition art by Crystal Quiz And that can be explored on the exhibition website. And it lets visitors experience many of the objects and stories featured in Girlhood and offers the unique opportunity to explore a selection of historical artifacts as high resolution narrated 3D scans. You can also get a behind the scenes peek to see how Girlhood was created from concept to execution. There's also K3 Sisters Band from the Girlhood It's Complicated virtual opening event where you can watch the virtual launch party. The hour-long event includes readings, musical performances, and inspiring words from women who have made history. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, better known as CDC, earlier this week issued a strong recommendation that all passengers and employees on airplanes and other forms of transportation, including trains and taxis and rideshares, should wear face masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19. In these new guidelines that were released on Monday, the CDC explains that travel on public transportation increases the risk of spreading COVID-19, especially in cases in which passengers or employees cannot practice social distancing. CDC is quoted saying, broad and routine utilization of masks on our transportation systems will protect Americans and provide confidence that we can once again travel more safely even during this pandemic. Now, most airlines and airports already have mask requirements in place, but the CDC said carriers should ensure all passengers and employees wear masks for the duration of the travel, as well as where possible, making masks available. The guidance also calls for facial coverings at transportation hubs like airports and train stations. The CDC guidance reads, given how interconnected most transportation systems are across the nation and the world, local transmission can grow quickly into interstate and international transmission when infected persons travel on public conveyances without wearing a mask and with others who are not wearing masks. It includes some exemptions, including children under the age of two and others with written instructions from a medical provider not to wear masks. 
The U.S. Travel Association praised the CDC guidance, saying there simply cannot be an economic and jobs recovery unless travel is able to broadly resume and the universal embrace of mask wearing and other hygiene measures is the thing that is going to enable that to happen. The CDC's latest message is helpful and clear and will be important for promoting a crucial understanding heading into the holiday season. Safe travel is absolutely possible as long as everyone in the travel ecosystem employs the best health practices. Wear your mask, people, throughout the duration of the flight. Delta Airlines has taken delivery of the first U.S.-made Airbus A220 jet. A220 production began at the Mobile Alabama plant in August 2019, and the A220's inaugural flight took place in June. Airbus says 400 U.S. employees have now been trained on the A220 assembly line. It is a part of a large order for 95 aircraft for Delta, and the airline will become the first to operate both models of the plane, the A220-100 and the A220-300. It has already received about one-third of its order. The delivery of the first U.S.-built A220-300 is a historic moment that highlights Airbus's growing industrial footprint in North America and makes us all extremely proud. We look forward to seeing passengers delighted by the experience of traveling on board this brand new A220-300 proudly built in Mobile, Alabama. This was said by C. Jeffrey Niddle, CEO, Airbus Americas. Other A220 customers awaiting delivery of aircraft include JetBlue and the new airline, Breeze Airways. JetBlue placed a 60-plane order for the A220-300 and is due to take delivery of the first in December. Well, a Jacksonville woman creates a scavenger hunt of African-American history landmarks. She created a fun way for her son to learn about African-American history by creating a landmark scavenger hunt. Brittany O'Neill travels a lot and is always looking for something fun and new to do. She said she started searching for something for the two of them that they could do one weekend and realized what American Beach was and how close it was to them. O'Neill said that she realized how much African American history is in her own backyard that a lot of people may not know about, and history can be as fun as we make it. After visiting American Beach, the only beach in Florida that welcomed black Americans and offered safe, secure, overnight accommodations during Jim Crow segregation, O'Neill started researching for other historic places and landmarks to visit, hence the name History Landmark Scavenger Hunt. I travel, so I'm willing to go further, she says. But for those that do not travel, explore in your own backyard and teach your children something positive and historic. O'Neill also says she thinks if Jacksonville starts with it first, this can easily become a statewide activity, again, making history fun and positive. Some of the landmarks you can visit to learn about African-American history, according to O'Neill, is the American Beach, Edward Waters College, Bethel Baptist Church, James Weldon Johnson Park, which was formerly Hemming Plaza, Bob Hayes Park, the Ritz Theater, Kingsley Plantation, Brewster Hospital, Moncrief Cemetery District. O'Neill is encouraging the community to add to the list of locations. If you and your family visit any of the listed landmarks, take pictures and post them to social media using the hashtag BBLRTravel and hashtag D-U-V-A-L-A-A-H, which is Duval African American History, so that you can create awareness and trending topics. Dream Vacations, Cruise One, and Cruises Inc. conducted a survey. 
The survey found that almost 95% of approximately 1,500 U.S. respondents plan to take a vacation this year and next. Significantly, the survey, which was conducted by the host agencies in July and August, noted that 70% of respondents know and trust the value of a travel agent. And 78% realize that travel agents provide additional exclusive perks in addition to the promotions offered by cruise lines and resorts. 50% of respondents said they plan to take a cruise for their next vacation, while 18% are planning resort vacations and 32% have other plans. 37% hope to go to the Caribbean. 21% plan on staying in the United States, and 15% are going to Europe for their next vacation. The remaining 27% selected different destinations. The host agencies conducted this survey to gain a better understanding of how consumers plan to take vacations going forward. American Airlines has enhanced the customer experience through new technologies. They announced its implementation of these new technologies that set the stage for a smoother customer experience. An electronic wallet, mobile ID, and virtual assistant are now available to make flying with the airline as seamless as possible. Consumers can log into their A-Advantage account to see their flight and trip credits stored in their new electronic wallet feature and can easily use their travel credits toward booking new travel by selected flight credit under payment options. Customers whose travel plans have changed will also appreciate a new feature that automatically refunds their miles to the e-wallet when they cancel an eligible Advantage Award Ticket. Mobile ID Pilot Program, which started October 21st as part of a testing program at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, where American Airline customers will have the option to test out the airline's new mobile ID technology, which uses a passenger's mobile device to verify their identity when they drop their bag with an agent. And then there's the virtual assistant. Also in the vein of reducing interpersonal interactions, American Airlines launched its virtual chat platform in the summer of 2020 with a virtual assistant available to answer general travel questions or if the conversation calls for more detailed information, customer service representatives are also available to assist customers in real time. And lastly, Passports and Grub published a list of the world's top black luxury travel advisors you can trust in 2021. And I'm proud to say that Advantage International made the list. Now, according to the data, the travel agent industry has a workforce of approximately 66,500 advisors. Of those agents, 78% are white, 9.56 are Asian, and only 6.8% are black luxury travel advisors. Passport and Grubs says that Travel and Leisure magazine released their guide, but there was not one single black travel advisor on the list. Their list features the same people year after year, and the writer assumes it's a list of their friends and a popularity contest instead of who can really help you plan your next vacation. So Passport and Grubs decided to create their own research. The Black Travel Alliance, along with MMGY, will be launching a groundbreaking study to measure the economic power of the Black Traveler. The first installment entitled The Black Traveler, Insights, Opportunities, and Priorities, focuses on Black leisure travelers and meeting professionals, and it's set to publish in late November. There are 22 Black travel luxury advisors, experts, fixers, experience makers, and Black consulting firms listed, and we're in good company. To see the full list and article, visit the Traveling Culturati's Facebook page. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit that website, TravelingCulturati.com. Connect with me on social media and join the travel club. And now, 
Javon's Travel Minute. Not only did my high school trip to Germany as an exchange student spark my wanderlust, it shaped my view of traveling. I was 16 and in the 11th grade. One of the language teachers, who was from Germany, came up with an exchange program. I wasn't currently taking her class, but when I saw the post on the bulletin board, I wanted to go on the trip. And to sign up, you also had to sign up for her class to learn the basics of German. So I signed up for her class and for the exchange program. Upon registering, I was matched with a student. I would first go to Germany and live with her family for two months, and she would then come live with me for two months. Her name was Alexandra. We also called her Sandy. Living with my German family gave me a more cultural sense of travel versus a touristy one. Her mother spoke very little English. Her father was actually Italian and could only speak German and Italian. Her little brother was too, so he spoke toddler. And Sandy could speak English very well, which I appreciated because my German was a crash course. I really got to see how people lived from the neighborhood, going to the grocery store, going to school, hanging out with friends, going to the movies, the local restaurants, etc. We were near, but not in Munich. Each day, Sandy and I would ride our bikes to school, and after school, we would go to the beer garden with her friends or the group of exchange students. Yes, the beer garden. The legal age of drinking is 16 in Germany. I gained a lot of weight because of the beer garden, drinking Weiss beer, and eating gigantic freshly cooked pretzels. Hanging out sometimes meant, as they called it, grilling or grilling out. An area we went to was along the river that was lined with rocks. We sat on the rocks and enjoyed food, beer, and each other's company. We had potatoes and chicken that we grilled over an open fire we built on the rocks. We placed the crate of beer in the rolling river to keep it cool. We went to local pubs, the opera, and so many other things that just weren't on the tour map. This is the way I like to travel today. I like to get up close and personal with the destination and the people. I want to know where they live and how they live. I am so grateful for that experience, the wanderlust it gave me, and the view of the world I have today. If you'd like to read the full story of what sparked my wanderlust, visit my blog at TravelingCulturati.com. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. And today we're talking about road tripping, and that too is a great way to travel and to see a country, a city, a culture, and to get up close and personal with it. Joining me in the conversation is executive producer Gene Harley. Hey Gene, how are you today? Hi Javon, great to be back. Well, every state has its best roads for road tripping. However, we're not going to go through all 50 states. Instead, we're looking at some of the best road trip routes for the country based on regions, types of road trips you may want to consider, and what road tripping means to African Americans and some road trip tips. So let's talk first about some road trips because it doesn't have to just be that you're going on a road trip. Sometimes it's a necessity, but sometimes you just want to do it for fun. But you can really gear them around particular interests that you have. For example, you can go in search of crazy monuments and statues. You can go to festivals. You can do foodie road trips. Now, that's one that I would love, love, love to do anywhere. Just going place to place, discovering foods along the way, little road stops and rest stops and restaurants and all of these things. You can make it a coastal trip. You can just kind of make it based on a theme or something that you particularly like to do. You can also embark on micro road trips. Those are the ones that I love the most. Not really here for the very, very long ones. Some people are. (laughs) But if you're like my mother, you may like those road trips that cater to yard sales. You know, sometimes it's not the destination, but the journey, what you see along the route. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about some of those singular kind of road trips. One that you and I experienced was the road to Hana in Hawaii. It's 59 miles of highway that go around the eastern side of Maui and it's between Kahului which crosses Black Sand Beaches, Waterfalls and 
bridges, many, many bridges. And you get a shirt if you finish I Survived the Road to Hana, which many of us need because there's a lot of car sickness that takes place on that route, if I might say. Yes, lots of hairpin turns. I think the thing I remember the most were the rainbow eucalyptus trees. They're not indigenous from there, but they have been planted there. And these tall, bare barks are pastel colors. And the Hawaiian wineries, too. Pineapple yes. wine. Yeah, <laughs> not your a, favorite. No, not, not a fan of that. Hawaii's Hamakua Coast Drive from Hilo to Honoka'a. And that one, too, is gorgeous. We didn't do the entire one, but we did go to Hilo, and we did part of it, but we didn't do the entire part of it. Now, this is one I haven't done and would love to, and that's Coastal Route 1, which is also known as the Lobster Trail. You know why I wanted to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of lobster breaks along the way. Anything you can Go to the gas station, get a lobster. Go to the roadside, get a lobster. That's in Maine along the New England coast. Just put on a bib and get a little (laughs) fork. Just keep driving. And just keep driving, (laughs) right. The Blue Ridge Parkway. Been on that one, yeah. Yes, we have. That's 469 miles, and it connects two national parks, the Shenandoah in Virginia to the Great Smoky Mountains in North Carolina. So a, a very long stretch there. And there's also the longest highway north to south or south to north, and that's in California along the Pacific coastline. You know, the Pacific Coast Highway is just so beautiful because it takes you right up next to the ocean, and you get to visualize and see all of the Pacific in its splendor. Yeah, 653 miles from Dayton Point in Orange County to Leggett in Mendocino County. Mm-hmm. Then there's Jackson, Wyoming to Glacier National Park in Montana. Big Sky. That must be beautiful. That must be a beautiful route any time of the year. Yeah, it's called Big Sky Country. Mm -hmm. And yes, as you said, some of the most stunning and diverse landscape features anywhere in America. And there's Seattle, 300-plus mile road trip across the Olympic Peninsula and Seattle is a beautiful place, and you have a lot of coastline there. You have a lot of scenic beauty there as well. A 150 mile drive from Miami through the Florida Keys. We did that, but we had to abort mission because a storm was coming. Yeah, a big storm was coming. <laughs> and when you were working in Florida, I did about 40 of it on the Harley Davidson, but again, the weather drew me back to Miami. Yeah, that's on the iconic Route. One, mm-hmm. And it's famous for, you see it in commercials and movie chases, and it's called the Overseas Highway. And it's called that because it crosses 42 bridges, including the Seven Mile Bridge over Pigeon Key. And then there's U.S. Route 395. It's a California stretch. And it doesn't really get a lot of hype, certainly not as much as the Pacific Coast Highway. But It's a gateway, really, to a lot of scenic destinations and your national parks as well. Yeah, it includes Death Valley National Park, Mammoth Lakes. I mean, these are some beautiful Yosemite National Park. So it's one that you should look at even if you do Pacific Coast. Maybe go down one and up the other. Talk about Alaska. You know, a lot of times we don't talk about Hawaii and Alaska. (laughs) We talk about the United States. But here on this list, we're giving you both. So in Alaska, there's an eight-hour drive from Valdez to Fairbanks, and that includes two 100-mile stretches that were named Alaska State Scenic Byways, and that's the Richardson Highway. Mm -hmm. And then... One that I've talked about before, I have yet to do myself because it does span 125 miles, but that's the Harriet Tubman Byway. And it's a self-guided drive. And Eastern Shore in Maryland is beautiful. And of course, you know, we're from that area, but it goes from Eastern Shore, then there's another 98 miles that goes through Delaware, and it includes 45 historically significant sites related to the Underground Railroad. We're going to talk more in depth about them a little bit later when we talk about our African-American historic sites to see on your road tripping. And there are two major routes or driving routes or roads 
in the United States, and it's going to go through numerous states. Each of them do. One is Route 66. There's even a song, Getting Your Kicks, Route 66. <laughs> and that's from Chicago to Santa Monica. So we're talking about over 2,000 miles and so many stops from Chicago to Santa Monica, so from the Midwest to the West Coast. What states are we going through? After you leave Chicago, you're going to be going through Missouri, Oklahoma, down to Texas, New Mexico, Albuquerque, right through Arizona, and take you right into the beautiful Pacific Ocean in California. Yeah, really beautiful. And I understand that the final seven to eight hour driving time is from Sedona, Arizona to Los Angeles. Yeah, so you're going right from the beautiful sands of Sedona to the beautiful sands of Santa Monica. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Atlantic coast road trip now on that one <laughs> yeah well we used to take a necessary road trip from washington dc to new york where the goal was just getting there yes yes <laughs> but that includes the beautiful new jersey turnpike and others but the 95 route from new york all the way down to florida connecting to one all the way down to the keys is really an interesting route because it takes you through all those major states from new york new jersey delaware maryland virginia the carolinas north and south through georgia all the way down to florida and i've had the privilege of doing it several times well, I haven't done that. On one of our family trips, we, again, based out of necessity, but we did stop along the way, and that was driving from Maryland to Houston, Texas. And that was quite interesting. We actually did go through West Virginia, so we were in parts of the Blue Ridge Parkway not the scenic route, but <laughs> again, going through the different states to get where you were going. And the further south you go, people are really friendly and they understand that you're on a road trip. But I'm thinking it's very different today. I don't know how that same road trip would be today. And that's the interesting part about road trips is that sometimes things stay the same, but oftentimes they really do change. But one of the things that have changed, but we still need to think about is, as an African-American, how do we road trip? What does that mean to us? And what do we have to consider and do? And, you know, when you think about all of the things that we just read, with the exception of the Harriet Tubman Byway. Mm -hmm. When you look up road trips, you don't often see references to black history sites that, what, 12, 13% of the population would like to see. Yes, and it's really interesting because a lot of the ones we mentioned and ones that we're going to deal with going forward actually deal with the fact that there are excellent African-American historic sites or sites of American history along all these routes. Absolutely. Now, there is a research poll that was conducted by Chevrolet and Harris Poll, specifically for African Americans who are looking to road trip. And it says that the perfect road trip for Black America, it lasts six hours based on this survey and poll. That was one of the findings. Many African Americans who said that they have fond memories of road trips that they took with their families as children. 99% of African American parents say that they enjoyed road trips. But that's been some of our conversation here today and some of the things that we remember growing up taking those family road trips. Yeah, it's really interesting because in retrospect, everything becomes clouded in nostalgia, and it's a great thing to go on these road trips. I, however, will post on our social media of one of our instances driving through a hurricane to get to Florida and how we totally destroyed a car. <laughs> oh, that's not good. But it's an experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Traveling, it leaves you speechless, then it turns you into a storyteller. Right. Some other interesting facts about African-American road trip preferences. 86% said their favorite way to pass time during car travel is by listening to music with their family. And a sing-along along the way. Yes, mm -hmm. and remember we did a show on road trip songs. 81% said talking 
was a good way to pass time. And it's also um, a good way to get the family feuds out of the way, too. I think with the children and adults, too, young adults and older adults, we've become creatures of our mobile devices. That's so true. I think in talking and getting these good conversations going is to get rid of those mobile devices, at least put them down put for... Put electronics down for a little bit. For You're a right. minute or two. One thing I realized recently, my nephew, who is now in his 40s, told me, I'd love when the family gets together and just talks. He said, I love that as a child, too. I would just love to listen to these stories and listen to the adults speak. And so sometimes we assume that our children or that young people don't want to hear these things. But things stick with them. And a lot of times they do like to hear your stories, especially if it relates to their history and their heritage and their culture. I think it's harder nowadays to basically get away from the electronics. But in the old days, if we think back when we traveled, there were patches where you got through, especially for me, where we couldn't find an AM station that was playing Motown <laughs> in the 1960s. So talking became a part of it. The music wasn't, there was no games to play uh, in most instances, definitely not a television inside the car. So talking became a big part of it until dad would finally turn around and say, okay, that's it. No more talking. Right. Well, 52% preferred watching or listening to a movie or TV show to pass the time. Mm -hmm. No, we did not have those things then, but they do exist now. And it's a great way to keep everybody occupied, especially for those long periods. And as you said, those silent <laughs> moments <laughs> that you have. Almost all of the survey respondents said that spending time with family was their favorite part of the road trip. The survey follows a lot of the things we deal with with our travelers, too. African Americans like to travel in style. Absolutely. SUVs. Three rows. <laughs> yeah. And parents also emphasize the importance of in-vehicle technology. And although we want to unplug and get together, we want a vehicle with Wi-Fi. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just like being on an airplane and you wanting that seat back entertainment. It's the mm -hmm. same thing. They said moms are more stressed out about keeping children busy and entertained during the road trip than dads. And that's because 75% of those surveyed said dads did the driving and only 31% of moms, and I would say you drive most of the time, even though we don't have children. When it's you and I, you drive most of the time. And anyway. you navigate, at least until we get to the sign that says, now leaving Chicago, and then you take a nap for the yeah, next eight to 10 hours. Those naps That's are right. good. <laughs> so let's talk about some of those road trip must-see landmarks that are African-American landmarks, starting with on I-95, the African-American Civil War Memorial and Museum. There's so many sites to see in Washington, D.C., but if you can, go over to the U Street Corridor and see the African American Civil Memorial and Museum. You can stop by and get something to eat at Ben's Chili Bowl. And again, I love that that's our hometown, but D.C. is a great destination to discover black history landmarks throughout the city. And it's so true in other parts of I-95 in New York and Philadelphia, even in the Carolinas going down to Charlotte, Charleston, and all those other places. So I-95 is packed with African-American history. Certainly is. And we talked earlier about the Tubman Byway. It is self-guided. You can stop by the Harry at Tubman Educational Center, and it's a museum there, so you can stop there, but you can also pick up your self-guided map and information, and so while you're driving along, you can either go the entire 125 miles, or you can just do parts of it and stop at the places that are there along the way. It's where she lived, worked, worshipped, and where she also led others out of slavery under the Underground Railroad. So there's the Harriet Tubman Memorial Garden, the Museum and Educational Center, and again, that's where you can get your map, your guides, and your free audio guide. There's also the Visitor's Center, the Broadest Farm, where she spent her early years, the Bucktown Village Store, where Harriet's life changed forever, and the Tuckahoe Neck 
meeting house. That was the gathering place for Quaker abolitionists and Tubman Garrett Riverfront Park. And that honors Tubman and Thomas Garrett, two of the Underground Railroad's most dedicated agents. You can get the information on Harriet Tubman Byway. So let's head a little bit further north on I-95. You have Brooklyn's Weeksville in New York. And a lot of times we don't think about black history in New York, but there's tons of it there. Yeah, the Bedford-Stuy neighborhood in New York, Weeksville in Brooklyn. These are some famous African-American locations that you can see, along with the ones that you know so well in Manhattan and in Harlem. There are some great locations to see on I-95 headed north. Yeah, and in the city, the slave cemetery that was uncovered and there's the museum there now as well so the cemetery is a phenomenal piece of history that was unearthed while they were digging to lay ground to more development so you definitely want to do that so to continue headed north as you're going up out of New York through Connecticut up to Massachusetts. And when you get to Boston, don't forget to see the W.E.B. Du Bois Institute at Harvard University. I mean, this is some historic sites and a lot of interesting information in the Cambridge, Massachusetts, in the Harvard area and Boston. One that's not listed here, but a lot of people don't know about the black history continuing more in the New York area is Martha's Vineyard. And there's a, there's a black history trail there that you can follow, actually. So let's go south. I-85, you can visit the Harvey B. Gantt Center for African American Arts and Culture in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you can visit the center there. And what started as Black Studies Center at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte in the 60s is now a nerve center for all things black art. And when you're really looking at a lot of these art installations, and you can also attend lectures and even dance workshops. So they have a whole multimedia black art installation there. And that's in Charlotte. And as you continue to go south, of course, we're going to go down, and anybody following the Green Book route knows to go west towards Atlanta. In Atlanta, of course, you have Ebenezer Baptist Church, you have all the areas from Dr. Martin Luther King, and really it's one of the top cities for African-American history and culture in the South. Yes, and also on 85 South, the Freedom Ride Museum in Montgomery, Alabama. And you don't have to do the entire Freedom Riders route from D.C. to New Orleans, but certainly if you wanted to do that, that's another road trip in itself. But the history is there at the Freedom Rides Museum in Montgomery. There are photographs, there's video, there's art exhibits, there are quotes, and it's just the overall story of the movement that was significant to end segregation in public transportation. And it's true, and there's a lot of great sights to see in the South. We talk about the lynching museum in that area and all the other things that you can see. So let's go to the Midwest, I-94 West, Motown Historical Museum in Detroit. Yeah, nothing like the Motown sound. That will live forever. And Detroit has numerous great sites, but one you have to have on your list in a road trip as you're going from east to west, heading Mm -hmm. towards Route 66, is to go through Motown and basically see the Motown Museum, where all those great hits came from, from the late 50s to the early 1970s even. So that's a great location. If you continue west from there, what are you going to hit next? Gary, Indiana. Yes. <laughs> and we know what Gary means. <laughs> yes, the king of pop himself and the Jackson 5. And you know what I was going to say about Motown, the Hitsville tour, and this also includes Indiana and visiting Michael Jackson's and the Jackson 5 childhood home, is you can curate your own playlist to go along with that. Think about all of the Motown sound on your road trip to Detroit, but also for Indiana, putting together your Jackson 5 and Michael Jackson playlist. That's right. That's your playlist for the road in there. And that's a great list to have. And that'll get you all the way through because your next stop after Gary, Indiana, of course, is Chicago. Yes, and the DeSable Museum of African-American History. We've been there many times. 
of course, it's a nice museum to visit to get the history, but they have some great exhibitions at different times. And also, they have some great activities and events throughout the year that you can participate in. And of course, Hyde Park itself and all the different areas, Bronzeville. I mean, these are areas in Chicago that you have to see. After all, this city was put together and found by Jean-Baptiste du Sable, and he was a black man. Absolutely. And West Coast. We are talking about I-5 North, and you have three stops there. One is the African-American Firefighter Museum. That would be interesting to see. And also you have Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles in Hollywood. And you have the Black Panthers Tour in Oakland, California. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, so let's quickly talk about some road trip tips. First of all, get your car checkup. You're going to have to make sure that your car is road trip ready. You don't want any surprises on the road, at least those that you can kind of control yourself. A roadside emergency service, whichever one you want to get, some car services have them, and make sure that you get the app. Map out your route, both electronically and printed. Because sometimes Wi-Fi, dead spots rather. And you lose the signal and you won't know where to go. Print it out. Yes. Stock up. So what you need to stock up on, you're going to need your roadside emergency kit. Those are your emergency things like your flares, your tire rods, your fix-a-flat, your flashlight, all of those things that you're going to need that you could possibly do to get your car back on the road. Water, snacks, a blanket, depending on what time of the year, because road tripping is all seasons of the year. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit travelingculturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com. Check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join the Travel Club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report with the soulful RV family. A semi-retired couple in their 40s who have and share six children all together, which include two adult children and three under the age of 18 who decided to go RVing. Today, I'm chatting with Keith Sims, the husband and father, who is also a retired NFL lineman to share their RV life. Well, hello, Keith, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Well, hello, and thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. I really loved stumbling upon your story, your blog about your RVing life. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start there. What made you decide to RV? I'm going to give the credit and all the blame to my wife. We actually started RVing a little over six and a half years ago, but she was pressing me to get an RV many years before that. She was dragging me to RV shows and say, hey, I want to do this. This would be a great way to see the country. And this was our oldest, youngest child is 11. So right when we had him, she had this passion and desire to homeschool. And she kept saying, this would be great. We could homeschool. I can go see these places. And my first thought was, RVs are tiny. How am I? At the time, I was, you know, I'm 6'3". I was probably before I lost weight, probably about 350 pounds. And the thought of being in an RV at that size just did not seem to compute. So on her behest, we went to RV shows. And I I realized, well, you know, some of these RVs are pretty spacious and pretty nice. And she kept hammering away year after year after year. And then an opportunity rose and she seized it. We had purchased our home in Georgia. We were moving out of South Florida, but I still had the commitment 
of doing radio and TV for the Miami Dolphins broadcast. So I had to be in South Florida every single weekend. So we're sitting there deciding, do we try to buy a small place? Do we rent an apartment for the year? Do I stay in hotels? And my wife has become quite the germaphobe. So she wasn't keen on hotels whatsoever. So she decided to present the idea of why don't we buy an RV you can park it down in South Florida for the football season, fly in and out, and then when the football season's over, we can travel in it. And I said, you know what? It's a good opportunity. It makes financial sense. So let's give it a try. What about your wife? What was she doing prior to RVing or maybe still doing? Uh, well, my wife was a social worker. She was a supervisor of social workers in South Florida. And then when we had our little kids, because my older kids are from my first marriage. This is my second marriage. So when my wife here decided, you know what, I'd rather stay home and really affect and guide and teach my children. And she was very passionate about that. Now, my older kids had gone to private schools, Christian schools, and doing very well, college graduates doing very well in their careers. So that was my mindset. I was looking forward to the kids going away, you know, going to school and having that break in the day. But she was very adamant on it. And she was a kind of mother that... Our kids knew how to read and their ABCs before they knew who Mickey Mouse was or anything like that. It was all educational from the beginning. And luckily, our three young boys just soaked it up. And still to this day, they have this love and this desire and this quench for learning. So with her direction and their love, it was the perfect match. Great. So it's the three younger children who are with you all the time, obviously. Do the adult children ever join you? They have joined us on small trips. We're a big Disney family. My wife is huge in that. So the older kids love to join us when we're down in Disney. They haven't gone any big road trips. They've done a couple local ones in Georgia, but nothing you know, out of state or huge besides being down in Disney. My oldest son just graduated in May. He's actually with us now living in her home and working in a job. But he's always been so busy. And then my oldest daughter, she's actually working for a church in San Antonio after graduating college a couple years ago. Now, how often is the RV on the road versus stationary? Typically, I would say we spend 100 plus nights in the RV. Is this a hitch up kind or is this a, because I'm not very versed with <laughs> the different types of RVing. To get more information on that, you can go to GoRVing.com. And they have great tools that teach you all about the different kinds of RVs. We actually have a motorhome. Think of a big bus. And ours is a big bus. Ours is 43 feet long. So we drive that, and then we will tow a car behind that so we can explore the local area where we're visiting. Well, I guess you go to go RVing mm -hmm. maybe to determine where you can park your motorhome and what facilities are available for you. And that's where my role comes in. I'm the trip planner of the family. What will happen is we'll figure out, hey, we want to go see something. Let's say if we're going to Washington, D.C., one of our favorite places to go. So that from Georgia is a good 11-hour drive. We won't do that in one stint. So I will map out from where we're leaving from to where we want to stop, how many hours we're going to drive. And there's RV parks. There's plenty of RV campgrounds throughout the country where you can stay, where you're close to a city or close to an attraction, and then get in. Or there's national parks, there's state parks, there's county parks. There's tons of places where you can take your RV. Now, has COVID-19 impacted your travels? Oh, my goodness. It destroyed my 2020. I am a huge travel planner for our family. I usually plan trips six months in advance. Well, there's really two big reasons why I like to plan ahead. Number one is we have a rather large motorhome. So when you go to campgrounds, there are limited numbers for the larger spaces. So I like to make sure we're going to get to where we want to go and have a reservation, have a place to stay, to lay our head. But probably the most important reason I plan ahead is for safety. Being out here is the minority. A minority in RVing can be scary at times. Most of the time, it's not. I would say 99% of the time, we've had tremendous experiences, but there have been a few that have worried me. And as the head of my household, 
it's my responsibility to take care of my wife and my kids. And I want to make sure we have a safe place to lay our heads. And part of that is making sure I've done the research on where we're going to go, where we're going to stay, and then get there and make that reservation. Any traveling while black moments? Yes, of course. There's plenty of those. Sometimes it's funny. Because our bus is so big, we stop at truck stops to fill up. We have a diesel engine, so we fill up at the diesel engine. More than 20 times, it just happened recently, if I'm filling up, and people are nice, but a lot of these truckers will say, well, hey, is that a good job? I'm like, what do you mean is it a good job? Well, you're driving that RV for somebody, right? Or you're delivering that RV. I'm like, no, that's mine. They can't put it in their head that a young black man can own this kind of rig. So that's one of those situations that can be innocent, sort of, but it's still hurtful. I wanted to get to one of your best and worst experiences on the road. If I had to pick the overall best for me, I would say in 2017, we decided to take a trip to do the bridge crossing in Selma and visit Montgomery and study the city and our black history there. And that was just awe-inspiring trip for me my wife and the kids to march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge with, I think it was over 10,000 other people led by Jesse Jackson to study the history of Bloody Sunday and really understand and see firsthand. And we had an opportunity to speak with a historian who actually marched with Martin Luther King across the bridge and experience it. I will never forget those four or five days we spent in Selma and Montgomery. Worst is on our first big trip, I think we took a three-week trip. We went from Atlanta. We went all the way to Mount Rushmore, St. Louis, which was fabulous. On the way back, and I had researched it, so I'm still mad at myself to this day. It was a four-star RV campground, and we were doing a one-night stopover. Really nice. We pulled in, and, you know, like normal, we're the only black family there. And I took the kids to the pool, because a lot of times when we set up, my wife will clean up set up the inside, I'll take the kids out to the playground on the pool. So we're in the pool and we put our stuff down. There's a bunch of people in there. We jump in the pool and everyone has that experience where you feel like people are looking at you. Well, everybody was looking at us. And then slowly they started to get out of the pool. And I was like, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, this is 2017. You don't want to be in the pool with us because we're black. And I put my arms around the kids. We played for a little bit, but I said, you know, let's go. And they were like, Dad, I don't want to go. But I said, you know, let's just go. And I slept on the couch, which is near the front door that night, because I was concerned. And as soon as daylight came, we started the RV and we left. But you know what? I want people to understand 99.9% of the places we have been have been unbelievably welcoming. The RV community is open and welcoming. Our kids have never had an issue playing with any other kids. Everyone's very friendly. People are friendly. So that was just Southwest Missouri. You know, I guess it's one of those areas where they didn't expect to see us and maybe they didn't know how to act. How can we follow your soulful RV family adventures? Well, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram and Twitter. We are spokespeople for Go RVing, so you can find our blogs. We blog for them. If you go to YouTube, you can look us up. We've done TV commercials for them and videos, and we are now sponsored by Camping World as well, so you can check out Camping World. And we have been embraced by the RV community. And when I say it's welcoming, it's truly welcoming. And they realize that they haven't done a good job of marketing or even inviting the minority community in. So they're definitely looking for inroads and ways to market to minorities and families to get them out here because it is a beautiful, great country. And you're missing out if you're not taking advantage of these natural wonders in this country. Inclusion, inclusion, inclusion. Mm -hmm. And your website. SoulfulRVFamily.com. You can follow our blog there and check out pictures. And our goal is just to be out here and help people and enjoy an RV and have a great time. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.